are a church that is open to everyone. No matter where people come from and regardless of their history, here everyone finds a home. The needs of our society compel us to compassionate action. We are known for our generosity, lending a helping hand and not turning our backs. We are a compassionate church that gives our very best for God. church. That guy had a bike accident and he lost one leg and he still believed I can do everything and nothing on planet earth can stop me. And I believe that's the power of a church as well. Can you say to your neighbor, nothing can stop you? Say neighbor, say it, mean it loud, come on. <laughs> Are you good? Woo, come on. We start a brand new series about the book of Acts and it's, uh, I want to speak about church is unique. I want to speak about the power of a church. And um, I, I lead a small group, and um, some weeks ago, one of my members of my small group, he's a very good, talented musician, he's even one of our worship leaders in our church, he sent me one morning a text message, and I want to read the text message on the screen with you guys. It was 7 o'clock in the morning, he said, hello, as some of you have probably already noticed, I have been giving record lessons for financial reasons. I said, what? They're playing the English flute? I had no clue about it. There are still places available. Just listen and join, and one who wants to can sign up afterwards. And I pushed the button, 7 o'clock in the morning, and this is the song. Just listen. Amazing song. my jeans. I was like, what's going on? I was shocked because I thought it's like a, brace, a break, you know, it was like a joke. And that song a little bit reminds me about church. So why? Yeah, because not perfect people gathering, and we call that church, and we want to change the world. And that's sometimes like a joke. I mean, I say full be perfect if I'm the only one in the church. No, I am not perfect. You are not perfect. Nobody in this room is perfect. Unperfect people gathering for a perfect God. Church is always, we're gathering for a perfect God. And Paul is, um, Paul is writing an amazing letter to the uh, Ephesian church. And he says, I pray often for you guys that you understand the power of a church. And before we speak about the church, let's go in the book of Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17. Paul is saying, I pray for you consistently. If somebody prays for you all the time, that means he has a message on his heart. 
asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and the insight so that you may grow in your knowledge of God. Unfortunately, when he got saved, we don't understand everything right in the beginning, right? It's not like you're receiving Christ and boom, you get a download from God's plan in your life. That means the wisdom and knowledge of God is growing step by step and a step by step. Verse 19 and 20, and that's an amazing verse. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. I want to repeat it to you because often we read it and say, wow, amazing. But I don't feel that in my life. He says, the same power raised Christ from the dead lives in every unperfect Christian as well. Can I hear an amen? But here is the challenge. We know that, but often we don't feel like that. There are two animals in the, in the animal world, and they belong to the same family. And that's very, very crazy. This is a cat and a tiger. Do you know they belong to the same family of the animals. And often we feel like, oh, yeah, I feel like a cat. Yeah, yeah, God, God's power lives in me. Yeah, it's more like a cat. It's very handsome. It's very nice. It's very cool. But actually, in you, there is a tiger. It's a tiger, unleashed tiger. And the only thing is, watch and see and believe it. This is what Paul is praying for the church in Ephesus. In verse 21 and 22, he goes a little bit uh, further. Now he is far above any rulers or authority or power or leaders or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has pulled all things under the authority of Christ and has made him the head over all things for the benefit of the church. The head of every local church, of an unperfect church because people are gathering, is Jesus Christ himself. Verse 23, now comes the, the Bible verse of all the Bible verses. And the church is his body. Have you ever thought about it? The church is the body of Jesus Christ. The hands and the feet, whatever you are, it's the body of Christ. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. With other words, the church is the potential of Jesus Christ by himself. I know when we teach about it, say, uh, give me a break, Pastor Leo, because my experience with church, it's the opposite. I have never met a perfect church because there is no perfect church. But when we gather, the presence of God, it's perfect. Healing takes place. Forgiveness takes place. New beginning takes place. Hope comes in me. There's a lot of opportunities in Jesus Christ. There are three ditches, actually before we understand the greatness of God. And here's an amazing illustration because often it's so difficult for us to understand the greatness of God. There's three ditches in our lives we have to overcome. The first ditch is usually the church by himself because the thing is, when, we, when, you, when you join a church, for example, if you join ICF Zurich as your local church, here is the thing, ICF Zurich, unfortunately, it's not perfect. It's not perfect. I mean... Nobody is perfect, not even ICF Zurich. 
So not one church is perfect. That means every one of us, we made some bad experience in terms of church or church history is crazy. Often people say, I cannot believe that God is good because the churches around the globe, they're crazy. They're doing weird things. If you have overcome the church, there comes the second ditch. It's Christians. You always meet Christians. They are crazy. Of course, not you. Not you. You are good. But other people from other churches, not ICF. Of course not. Here's the thing. Even perfect Christians will disappoint you. Because there's no such things as perfect people. That means when people gathering, we disappoint us all the time. By purpose or not even by purpose, just happens. And often people leaving church say, oh, church sucks, structure sucks, my team sucks, my leader is not good. They're leaving church because they're not perfect people. When we overcome even Christians, then comes the cross, Jesus Christ by himself. Here is the thing, I don't know, is this about, it's the same thing about you, but when i sitting under the word of God or on the teaching, so often Jesus Christ is challenging me. He challenged me all the time because I'm not growing up as a giver. When I came for the very first time to church, I heard the first, very first time about tithing. We give 10% to God. I mean, this is a lot of money. If you're a Swiss guy, we can calculate. We know the numbers. You know, numbers mean something to us. 10%? I was shocked. And here is the thing. You know, Jesus challenged me and said, Leo, you're not stopping by 10%. I'm giving every year always more than the last year. Because I want to I wanna believe in giving. But Jesus challenged me in many, many areas of my life to think like in the kingdom-minded way, like a new mindset. And when you understand that Christ is challenging you only for one reason, that you understand the greatness and the goodness of God. And when we're coming to the heart of God, everything makes sense for a moment. Here's the thing. Often we try to be the perfect church will never happen. We try to be a perfect Christian, will never happen. We try to sail Christ, will never happen a good way. Christianity means the opposite, and I'm going to draw you an amazing illustration. Church, when we gather, is never about ICF, never about our logo, if the logo is red or blue or green. It's never about the structure. It's never about the vision. It's always about the greatness and goodness of God. When we gather, I close my eyes and say, God, I want to experience, I want to see your greatness. Heal me, change me, come down from heaven. And when we gather in the presence of God, you know what God does? He gives me a brand new understanding that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, on my behalf. He died on my behalf. When I understand God gave the very best for me, that means something. Christ is for me. He's on my side. He's my helper. He's my comforter. He's my forgiver. He's my best friend. He's my source. He knows everything. He is everything. Come on. God helps me to give me a new understanding, the meaning of Christ in my life. When Christ is in me, it's no big deal to say yes to you. To you, to you, to you. Because you're not perfect. Nobody is perfect. But to the lenses of Christ, I can embrace you, I can hug you, I can say yes to you, even though you're not perfect. 
And when I can hug you and embrace you, I don't have a big problem when we gather in a church who's not perfect because imperfect people gathering, but there's a perfect God. And that helps us to reach the lost world for Jesus Christ, for the glory of God. Church is never about the building. When we gather, it's always about the heart of God. That's the position number one. Do you understand that? This is very important because Paul prayed for that. You have to understand Christ lives in us and the greatness of God you can never stop in your personal life. When we speak about church, for example, we have a vision statement, we have a logo, we have some goals and values. It's not like that. We just came together and said, okay, what kind of a vision should we have or what kind of a values we should have? Everything what we do in ICF Zurich, it's only about Jesus. It's only Jesus. It's only Jesus. It's only Jesus. It's only, only, only about Jesus. And the second thing, our foundation is the Bible. It's not your opinion. It's not my opinion. The Bible is our foundation. Now I know you're saying to me, Pastor Leo, that's a no-brainer. No, it's not a no-brainer anymore. Often, there's a lot of churches, the Bible is not the foundation anymore. Just what they believe, what, what they think is good. But our foundation is the Bible and everything, it's only Jesus. It's only Jesus. It's only Jesus. Our goal, we wrote down our goal as Eyes of Zurich, and you can read this also on the webpage. Our goal, I'm going to read to you the goal. We exist to see people become more like Jesus Christ and fearlessly change the world. This is actually out of the book, the book, uh, the first church the, in, the book of, uh, in the book of Acts, chapter number two. The first church was everything about Christ. They were fearless and they changed the world. We didn't come up with an amazing vision statement. It's out from the Bible. Here is the thing. Our goal is not that you become more like ICF. No, you're not ICF. When you die, there's no ICF logo in heaven anymore. Unfortunately, there is no ICF logo. There's no Hillsong, no Planet Shakers, there's no logo. Logo, ego. No logo, no ego. It's just Jesus. That's, that's the logo we have. And that's the thing. Our job, when we praise, when we preach, when we teach, when we lead, when we do worship, whatever we do, the main goal we have is to help you guys, help me, my family, be more like Christ. Grow, develop, be more and more like Christ. The second thing, be fearless. Don't be a cat, be a lion. Come on, be a man, be a lion. Christ lives in you, you can do everything. And the third thing is, Together, let's change the world for God. I have actually two points or three points. The point number one is we are the church of Christ. Often people say, ICF, you are the church. Church is not a building. Church is not a structure. Church is people. Sometimes people say, ICF has disappointed me. Who? The building, the roof? The ashes, the greeter, the parking slot, the coffee. Who has killed you? It's always imperfect people. You are the church. We sat down as a whole leadership team from the movement and we just said, what could be our dream? What could be the dream of our, of our church? And we wrote the, 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 in the first church in the book of Acts chapter 2, we wrote it through and said, okay, that church 
whose Jesus has invented as the first church. We want to we wanna be a church like that. And we wrote it down in a new um, language. And here is the vision statement out of the book of Acts chapter 2 here on the screen. Of a church where Jesus Christ is at the center of everything. He stirs in us an incomparable passion that results in life changing preaching, powerful worship, and overflowing creativity. In this church, we celebrate and enjoy our relationship with our Heavenly Father. And full of enthusiasm, we strive to know Him deeper and on a more personal level. We are a church that is open to everyone. No matter where people come from and regardless of their history. Here everyone finds a home. We are a family that is held together by unconditional love. Serving leadership and true unity. The needs of our society compel us to compassionate action. We are known for our generosity. Lending a helping hand and not turning our backs. We are longing to experience the power of God. Knowing that He can do all things. We expect the Holy Spirit to work among us and experience His miracles. We are a passionate church that gives our very best for God, speaks the language of our time, and is part of the solution. In the church we dream of, many people will find faith in Jesus Christ and become more like Him. While this church is constantly growing, we are also developing into a more personal community, having a positive influence on our families, friends, and society. May God fulfill this dream through us. So come on. Come on, this is the first church. We just translated in a, like a new language, but this is the first church. It's nothing else. It's from the Bible, out of the Bible. This is what we believe. And the last, uh, second uh, time and um, part of the message I want to speak about why we do what we do because often people say why you do that and actually we just thought about the first church and the point number two is church is always big and small you see this in the Acts chapter 2 they gather in temple and they gather also in houses and we came up with the structure and you will hear this all the time in our church we believe in big Big means celebrations, and we believe in small means small, like in groups. And often there's a big, big debate about those things. Some people say, you know, I don't like big because big is often like a show. The people on the stage, they're smiling, they're always good looking. Uh, I don't like the light, I don't like the LED wall. I just love small groups because I believe small groups is the will of God. You gather 10 people, maybe 12 people, there's no structure, there's no leader, it's not complex, uh, the, the presence of God is there. But here is the challenge and the problem. If your small group is small 
And God has challenge, is challenging everyone to win people for Christ. That means a small group can never be, be small because when you're winning people for Christ and you will win people for Christ, a small group becomes always big. When we started, we were small, but now we are big and every big church has to become small and small has to become big and big has to be small. We need always both two things in our lives. Why is big so important? Sometimes people saying to me, Pastor Leo, I, I, don't, I don't need church because I'm Christian for the last 10 years and I know all the preaching. I heard many, many things. I can Google things. I can listen to things on YouTube, podcasts or whatever. I can stay at home, have a nice Sunday, drink a coffee at home. Why should I come to the Samsung Hall or sitting in the church? I heard this often. Here is a number, the number seven. When you married for seven years, they say after seven years comes the most complex years in your marriage. Have you ever heard that? The crazy seventh year. That means after seven years, marriage is complex, your kids are complex, even church is complex. Here is the thing. Something you can have from the podcast, YouTube, is the presence of God. When Christians gather in a big place, when two or three people gathering, the presence of Christ is in the midst. And I'm seeking the presence of Christ. Here's the thing. I heard maybe the story about David and Goliath maybe 100 times. And every time, David is winning. He wins all the time. I'm, oh, he won again. Oh, yeah. Oh, he killed Goliath. Oh, I always forget it. It's, it's like, I'm not surprised anymore. You know what I mean? After all, you know all the stories. You know the end, the beginning, everything. But there's one thing. It's fresh every Sunday. It's the presence of God. And I'm seeking and I'm longing for the presence of God in the house of God. All perfect People gathering and worshiping and perfect God. And God is in the house. That's why I'm attending church. Not because I learned something new. I'm seeking the presence of God. Can I say to you three things? The last weeks when we, when we did the hashtag Jesus series, God spoke to me and said, Leo, stop eating sugar. And I said, Why? And I just skipped sugar for 40 days. And after 40 days, God challenged me and said, what would happen if you're doing this for another year? Now I, I'm sugar-free since 70 days. 70 days. And I lost 10 pounds already. Six-pack is around the corner. Here's the thing. This was in the presence of God when we praised Praised worship Jesus in the house of God. God spoke to me. Some weeks ago, I was in the worship. I closed my eyes and said, God, you're good. And God spoke to me and said, sell your house. I never intended to sell my house. It was in the presence. It was in the house of God. And that's why I love the big, because the presence of God is in the house. But in the same way, I love small. I love my small group. I've been in a small group for the last 21 years. Sometimes, of course, I did a break maybe for half a year, but in general, I'm in a small group since the beginning of our church. You know why? A small group, it's never about your title. It's never about your talents, about your gifts. You sit down and you ask the question, how do you do? 
What is your challenge? What is your obstacles? What is your dream and visions? And I will not forget about five weeks ago, we were together in a small group and um, I will never say everything what I say to my small group, but small group is you keep the things for yourself. And they asked me, how do you do? I said, I'm not doing good. I said, why? I said, look, here's the thing. We're planting so many churches. And sometimes planting churches are amazing numbers and people are like, wow, crazy, out of one church, now we have maybe 80 churches. How do you feel? I said, I don't feel well. For me, leading a movement is often a nightmare. <laughs> to be honest, it's a nightmare. You know why? People. People suck around the globe. You can travel wherever you want. You can go to Africa, they suck. You go to Australia, they suck. Zurich, crazy. People, it's, church is a people business. You know what was the cool thing in the small group when I said it? I struggle with the movement. Nobody said anything. Nobody teach me. I don't need a teaching. They lay their hands on me, my small group, and start to pray for me. And after five, ten minutes, I felt like the heavy spirit or the negative spirit left my soul. And when I went home from the small group, I felt stronger than before. And we had the best ICF conference ever. That's the power of a small group. That's the difference between Sunday and small group. I always say to people, if you're, if you're not in a small group, you walk alone. Like Liverpool, even if the, the goalkeeper is not good, but they're walking still together. <laughs> you know what I mean? And we have different opportunities in our church. We have small groups. That means you gather. You can be like in one small group, like once a month or every two weeks or every week. You can be in a, a ladies group, in a men's group, in a dog group, in a jogging group. You can define the small group. And we have team groups, that means in our church, uh, they're, they're like worship team, graphic team, video team, technic team. We have different teams in our church. And the third group we have is business people, society groups, Israel groups, education groups. We have so many different opportunities. If you say, there's not one group I fit in, God bless you, then start one. Start your own group, you huddle. I want to close with the last point. Church is big and small, and church is always input and output. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and also prayer. With other words, it's not only big and small. A church is always input and output. Why is input important? Because we need teaching. We need to change our mindset and we need also output. To explain this in a very, very simple way is like this. In Israel, you have two lakes. It's the, the, the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea. Who has ever been to the Dead Sea? Super, right? But there's not one fish swimming in the Dead Sea. Dead Sea means water flows in. They have an input. The Dead Sea has an amazing input. But watch and learn. No output. When there is no output in a group, in a church, things are dying. If a small group, if you're starting a small group, like in the first year, you have a momentum. But after 18 months or two years, the momentum is dropping. Unless you have an output again. 
The same thing is in the marriage. The same thing is in a company. It's a global thing. And that's the second lake, the Lake of Galilee. Beautiful lake. Here, water flies, flies in, input, input, water flows out, flows out, output, input, output, input, output, input, output, input, output, input, output, input, output. Do you understand what I mean? Because often people think, we sh we, we, when we just teach the people in the church, the church grows by himself. It's never the case. It's always teaching, but then you need an output. Otherwise, your stomach gets very thick and heavy and you start to fort all the time. You need an output in your life. I want to tell you an amazing story as a praise report in the ending of the message. We have been in a worship tour in Eastern Germany. And Eastern Germany, you have to understand, it's a place that not many churches, to plant churches is very half rough. They said every missionary goes to the eastern part of Germany, the first missionary, they die. The second one maybe will survive, and the third missionary, they will flourish in terms of church planting. Like three generations until the church is planted. We, we, we played in a, in, a, in a city called Weimar, it's in Germany, and here's a picture. There came 450 people. I know that number doesn't mean so much for you because it's maybe a small number or a big number. But here's the thing. Behind every story is a story. In the second picture, you see Dave Kuhl, one of our worship leaders. And next to Dave, it's a young guy. This guy, he is 17 years old. He attends a church with 18 people. 18 people. They planted the church 10 years ago and they're now 18 people. And about two years ago, we heard about ISAF and he said, I, I need ISAF in my city. We haven't had no worship band for the last 15 years. There were not one worship band stopped in our city. And he said, I want to one day, I want to be like an ISAF. I want to be like Leo Bigger. I, I, I want to be an ISAF. But he was 15 years old, a teenager, not even a leader. He shooted an email to us a year ago and asked, guys, could you stop in Weimar? I said, Dave, do you know where's Weimar? He said, no. He said, okay, then let's go because we love new places. And when we arrived, he was the tour manager, 17 years old. This young dude raised 5,000 Euros. It's a value of 6,000 US dollars for the stage, for the building, for everything. Day church has 18 people, one eight. When 450 people showed up, the church cried. They said all the years we had inputs, input, 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 but never an output. And for the very first time, we believe that we can grow. We believe God has more in store than we ever thought and dreamed. And there's always one person who understands the input one day has to be also an output. In our church, you have many, many opportunities in terms of input. We have a college. We have many, many teaching platforms. We have a leadership course 
there's so many opportunities and we are not the only church who has a lot of good things. Just get your input wherever you can have an input. But input has always also an output. In closing, in Acts chapter 2, verse 43, the Bible says, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Often people believe signs and miracles took place out of the blue. But when you're reading the book of Acts very carefully, they were together on the knees praying that the Holy Spirit falls down in a new level. And when they preached the word of God, 3,000 people got saved the very first time. That means they, they love God. They had respect for the house of God and they believed the best is yet to come. And I believe always the best days are not behind us. They're always in front of us. God can do bigger things, can do even more. And I believe in the end of the day, big has to become small and there's an input to an output. In closing, I always say to my worship team, my worship team has output every week, right? They have only output. And I challenge my worship team, where is your input? They need an input. And all the small group, I say to them, you have input, but where is your output? And there's always a question I want to ask to you. In closing, how can we change the world for God? I read a statistic who says, when you win one person for Christ and you disciple that person for Christ after one year, you are two people, right? If those two people say, let's win all together one person for Christ, disciple them, we will four people. Those four people doing the same thing to eight, to 16, you can see on the screen after 33 years, we will win the whole world for Christ. It's not so complex. Starts always with one person. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge me. We know some people in our lives, our neighbors, our friends, they're not attending church anymore. Maybe they drifted or they're maybe open for God. Let's have the faith that we are able to win one person for the house of God, for the kingdom of God. Not for ICF, not for logo, not for a structure, for the heart of God for the church, for the kingdom of God. God, I will trust your sovereignty when there is no clarity because I can't sit forever in my disappointment and pain. I'm going to stand and I'm going to sing again, sing again, sing again. Fear loves to limit you. Fear loves to keep you where you are. Fear wants you to do what you have always done and never do anything else. Fear wants to shackle your po 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 potential and fear always wants to limit you. But every everlasting change starts with the Word of God. The Word of God has a power in it like nothing else. Jesus, I'm afraid. Jesus, let's do it. And there are moments when you are in a ladder when you're facing an area where you're super afraid, pray, grab, hold, face, and please don't give up. Oh.